Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Genesis, the 37th chapter, Genesis 37, and verse number 31, Genesis 37 and 31, it says, and they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood, and they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found, know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. Notice the attitude and the faith of Jacob. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. They never once said that he was dead. They never said that he was rent in pieces, but Jacob fabricated the story off of a lie. Joseph was alive and well. Jacob fabricated an entire lifestyle off of a lie, something that wasn't true. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted And he said, for I will go down into the grave until my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. All of this, all of this over something that wasn't even true. And I want to preach to you on that thought tonight, a bloody coat. I believe we all have bloody coats in here tonight. Uh, From the platform all the way back, I believe we all have bloody coats And that bloody coat wants to tell you a different story than what's the actual truth. So if you set your Bibles down, lift your hands and hearts to heaven. Help me pray right now. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your spirit. God, we thank you for your anointing. God, I ask you to once again anoint me, Lord, to preach your word. God, speak to your people tonight. God, would you open the windows of heaven and pour out your anointing. Pour out your spirit right now. God, let lives be forever changed, God. Let us get rid of the bloody coat that's in our life that's keeping us from becoming what you want us to be. God, we give you praise for it right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give him a praise right now. Come on, he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You may be seated. The Bible says that Jacob thought his son was gone. There was no physical proof, only a fabricated truth. See, the story starts out many chapters before. Because Jacob showed favoritism to Joseph and his brothers became very jealous of him. Uh, they, they looked at Joseph and they realized he was daddy's favorite. And I, you know, I understand 
what it's like to be a jealous brother. I've got two brothers, one older, one younger. I'm right in the middle. Us middle children have problems. You know, when I was a kid, I always felt like my older brother was my dad's favorite, my baby brother was my mom's favorite, and I had the family dog. And later in life, when we got in high school, my older brother was the MVP of the basketball team, could slam dunk a basketball. And, and my baby brother could do the same, was the captain, and uh, one played college basketball, the other could have if he wanted to. And, and I rode the bench, you know. My older brother, I remember his junior and senior year of high school, all the girls wanted to go out with him. Same thing with my baby brother. I even had girls in my class that wanted to date him, and he was way younger than me. I was upset because, I, you know, they looked at me and they said, well, you got a good personality. So I understand what these brothers were going through. I understand what it's like to be jealous of a brother. And to add insult to injury, Joseph began dreaming dreams. And, and he, told, he made the mistake of telling the dreams to his brothers. And, and it just added insult to injury. It just added fuel to the fire. Because the dreams symbolized them bowing down before him. That, that lets me know tonight that we can't always share what God is speaking to us with everybody. Because not everybody can get it. But it also tells me that there's no room in the kingdom of God for jealousy. The Bible says that jealousy is as cruel as the grave. Instead of being jealous of somebody that's being used by God, you need to look at them and say, God, what are they doing that I should be doing so that you would use me in your kingdom like you're using them? But these brothers, one day they're out and the father sends Joseph out and they see him coming here. They say, here comes the dreamer. What, what are we going to do with the dreamer? And they begin contemplating and they begin scheming. And, and one of them says, uh, oh, hey, we, we, we might as well go ahead and kill him. But one of the brothers, thank God, had a little bit of sense. He said, let's don't kill him. Let's just put him in this pit. And he was going to come back and, and let him go a little bit later. But it amazes me that his own flesh and blood was willing to kill him. If we're not careful, we'll let jealousy, we'll let backbiting, we'll let murmuring get inside of us and bitterness get inside of us and it'll take root inside of us and we'll be, we, may not, we may not kill anybody physically but we'll kill each other with our words, we'll kill each other with our thoughts, we'll kill each other with our actions tonight. The Bible said, let's don't kill him. They said, here come some slave traders. Let's sell him off to them. And, and you know, uh, the story continues. Joseph goes down. He, he's uh, turned in. Uh, he's sold into uh, to Potiphar. And uh, uh, Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him and wrongfully accuses him. And he's thrown in prison. And, he, he, you know, he goes from prison or from the pit to the prison to the palace. But daddy didn't know. He didn't have Paul Harvey to tell him the rest of the story. Jacob sees the bloody coat. And Jacob thinks to himself, God, why are you doing this to me? The Bible said his children tried to comfort him. Hey, Dad, you still have us. You still have plenty of kids. But Jacob said, I'll never be the same again. 
I can't live like I used to live. I can't walk and talk. I can't function in society like I used to. I will never be the same again. I'll go down to my grave mourning for Joseph. And, and, you know, I, I like to read between the lines when I read the Bible. I like to use my imagination. I, I, like, to, I like to, you know, when I read the Bible, I, I, I like to think of, of characters, you know, uh, people that act out. In my mind, uh, when I read about Samson, it's always Arnold Schwarzenegger playing the part. So I imagine in my mind that Jacob would get up in the morning time and he would get up on that arthritic hip of his. And he would begin to stretch and yawn in his tent. And he would begin to think about how good God was. And he would begin to think about the greatness of God. He would begin to think about the night that he wrestled the angel and said, I'm not letting go until you bless me. And he remembers when the angel said, you're not going to be Jacob anymore, but you'll be Israel. God, God changed his name and changed his head. And he remembers what his daddy told him and what grandpa, the stories about grandpa and his faith. And he remembered the promises that God said, I will multiply your seed more than the stars of the sky and the sands on the seashore. And as the sun peers through the opening of the tent, it would shine over in the corner. And the Bible doesn't say this. But I just imagine there would be that bloody coat in the side of the tent. And instantly, his day goes from good to bad. Instantly, the blessings he was thinking of turned to cursing. Instantly the joy turns to mourning. And, and we don't know that he kept the bloody coat, but I just think in my mind that he did. And he would hold on to that bloody coat and he would think, God, why are you punishing me? Is this because I, I, I fooled my brother into giving me the, uh, the birthright? Is this because I tricked daddy into giving me the blessing? Is this because of the disputes I had with my father-in-law? Is this because I wanted to marry the pretty younger sister before I married the other? ugly sister. God, why are you getting back with me? Is this some sort of cruel judgment, God? All the while, God had a plan. All the while, God was working in his favor and he didn't see it. He didn't understand. All he could see was a bloody coat. He couldn't see what God had promised. He couldn't remember the promises of God anymore. He couldn't see the other children that God had blessed him with. All he saw was a fabricated lie. All he saw was a bloody coat that reminded him of what happened in the past. That reminded him of what he used to be. Every one of us have a bloody coat tonight. Every one of us have things from our past that we're not, we're not, we're not very uh, proud of. We're, we're ashamed. They're, that we all have skeletons in the closet, as they say. We all have this bloody coat that if we allow ourselves, we can get up in the corner of our room. 
we can suck our thumb and we can get upset with God and we can say I'll never do anything I'll never be anything God why, why can you love me God why can you use me don't you remember my bloody coat God don't you remember what I did don't you remember God and if we want to we can hang on to this bloody coat like it's a security blanket see this bloody coat symbolizes some things in our life it symbolizes that sin that we committed years ago it symbolizes the mistakes and the failures that we committed years ago it symbolizes what we were back before we knew him and that bloody coat likes to rear its ugly head every time God begins moving in your life and every time God begins doing great things in your life Satan says don't you remember this don't you remember who you were don't you remember the mistakes and the don't you remember what you did wrong you'll never be able to see what God wants you to see as long as you have a bloody coat holding you back and this bloody coat doesn't just symbolize what you did wrong. But it symbolizes what someone else did wrong to you. See, I, I, I understand tonight. There's some of you, your bloody coat is mistakes you made. But then there's some of you that you've had bloody coats that you've been carrying around since your childhood. And it wasn't anything that you did wrong. It was something that someone did to you. It was something a family member did to you. It was something a preacher did to you. It was hurtful words. It was a, a horrible deed. It was something that forever changed who you were. Come here and help me a second, buddy. This right here is a cool, good-looking kid, isn't it? But here's the problem. I didn't say anything about him looking like you. But here's the problem with our bloody coats tonight. The devil wants us. Put your hands together for a second there. The devil wants to take that bloody coat. And it wants to bind us up. And in the middle of revival, when God's spirit's moving on you and God is speaking to you and the preacher's preaching or the choir's singing and God's spirit's moving and the preacher says, clap your hands unto the Lord. Everything inside of you wants to clap, but that bloody coat says, no, 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 I've got you bound. You can't clap. And the preacher or the singer says, lift your hands and worship God. And everything inside of you wants to rejoice and wants to worship and wants to praise. But as soon as you try, the bloody coat says, no, I've got you bound. You're not worthy. You can't praise. You can't worship. I've got control of you. And not only does that bloody coat want to bind you tonight, but it wants to blind you. See, the devil knows scripture more than any of us tonight. He used it. He just used it wrongly. He used it against Eve. He used it against Jesus. He, he, he knows scripture. And he knows that the Bible says, but where there is no vision, my people perish. Because he knows if he can take away your vision, 
not physically, but spiritually tonight. He knows that as long as he's got you blinded by the bloody coat, as long as he's got you blinded by your past, you'll never be able to see a future that God has in store for you. As long as you all you can see is the bloody coat, you'll never see what God's doing. As long as you see the bloody coat, you'll never see what God has in store for this church. As long as you got the bloody coat dictating who you are and what you're doing, you'll never have a future in him. That bloody coat. He, he doesn't know if there's a ditch in front of him. He doesn't know if there's traffic in front of him. He doesn't know if there's an accident in front of him. All he sees is a bloody coat. He can't see revival all around him. He can't see God's blessings being poured out. All he sees is a bloody coat. And another problem we have is that Be God for just a minute. That's it. It's over with after this. God is saying, Come with me. God is saying, I've got a future for you. God is saying, I've got ministry and I've got anointing it and I've got blessings and favor and benefit. I've got healing for your body. I've got healing for your marriage. I can save your children. I can save your home. I can bless you beyond you, your wildest dream. Hey, we've got great revival in store for you. But the entire time that God's trying to pull you into a future, the enemy's pulling you by your bloody coat and pulling you into a past and saying you can't be what God wants you to be you can't do what God wants you to do I've got you bound tonight Hold on to that. see you've got to understand something tonight God doesn't look at the situation like we look at the situation God dwells in eternity Right now to God, it is the beginning of time. It is right now, and it is the future. That's why the Bible says that when we get forgiveness of our sins, it's not just that he forgives us, but he forgets it. Because in eternity, God is right there when you commit the sin and he wipes the slate clean like it never happened. You may remember it in time, but in eternity, it's like it never took place. And when God looks at you, he doesn't just see who you are today. When he called Gideon, Gideon was scared to death, hiding from the enemy. And God called him a mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, who, me? You got the wrong guy, God. I'm the least in my family. My family's the least in all of Israel. But God wasn't looking at the scared Gideon. God was looking at Gideon the deliverer. Whenever God called Saul before he became Paul, he called him a chosen vessel. Why? Because he didn't see Saul the persecutor. He saw Paul the preacher. I want you to understand something today. God doesn't see where you're at right now. He sees what you're going to become in him
Another story from my childhood. I remember my older brother, he would put together model cars. And, man, it was a beautiful job he would do. And I'm, I'm talking about it. it was, I mean, it was perfect. I thought, well, if brother can do it, I can do it. I saved my, my, my allowance up. I went to Wally World, and, and I bought me a, a model car. And I sat down, and I looked at it, and one side of the instructions wasn't even in English. And so I did like most men do, and I threw the instructions to the side. And I began trying to put this model car together. And before long, I had glue everywhere and paint on the furniture. And I knew mom was going to get me. And, and, and I, I looked at the box and there were still pieces that didn't go together. And I finally just put it back in the box and put it up on the shelf in the closet. But years later, I realized something. The reason why my brother was able to put that model car together so beautifully was because when he looked at the box, he didn't just see a bunch of pieces. He didn't just see instructions that didn't make sense. But when he looked at the box, he saw in his mind what was going to become. He saw the finished product before he ever started. And I want you to understand with me today, when God looks at you, he doesn't just see a box of broken pieces. He doesn't just see a life in shambles. He doesn't just see a home and marriage in shambles. He doesn't just see someone backslidden and brokenhearted. But God looks at you and he says, I don't just see what you are right now and I don't worry about who you used to be, but I look at what you're going to become in me. But all the while, this bloody coat is pulling us. Our sins, our mistakes, our failures are pulling us. You know, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west. That's how far he has removed our transgression. Now notice it doesn't say north to south. Because if you're at Santa Claus's house in the North Pole and you get in an airplane and you start flying south, some 12,400 miles later, you hit the South Pole and you start flying north. You can measure north to south. But if you get in an airplane and you start flying east, you will never touch west. You can't measure east to west. So in other words, whenever the writer of the scripture said this, they were thinking in their mind, there's no way that I can measure God's love. There's no way that I can measure his grace and his mercy. There's no way I can measure his compassion because it's so long. Hey, I'm here to tell somebody, God loves you. God has forgiven you. God has forgiven that other person. It's time to let go of your bloody coat and move into a greatness with God. It's time to move into a destiny with God tonight. You know, every car in our parking lot out here has one thing in common. It doesn't matter if you rode in a Bentley or a Dentley like me. It doesn't matter if you rode in a Can't Harley Maker or a Cadillac, a Hummer or a Hootie, a Jaguar or a Jalopy. It doesn't matter what kind of car you pulled up in. Every car has one thing in common. Your windshield is 50 times larger than your rearview mirror. And that's because the maker of your vehicle understood something. 
that what is in front of you is of more importance than what is behind you. If, if your mirror was so much bigger, your eyes would be on your mirror and you would crash and burn. But as long as the mirror is small and insignificant, you're not paying attention to what's behind. Hey, I wish somebody would understand with me tonight. What's in front of you is of greater importance. What's in front of you is of much more importance in the kingdom of God than what was behind you tonight. But it's not always the bloody coat that, that, we're, that has us bound. But sometimes the bloody coat, we're holding on to it. I want to get rid of it. But it's been a part of me for so long that it's, it's part of who I am. It's part of my personality. When people see me, if they didn't see the bloody coat, they wouldn't even recognize me. It's so much a part of who I am. I want to lay it down. I've prayed about it. I've fasted about it. When preachers have preached, I've brought it to an altar. But I just can't let go. And all the while, God's pulling. And all the while, God's saying, come with me. And all you got to do is just let go. And God's got something greater. You know what? God wants you to let go of some things tonight. God's wanting you to let go of some things you've been holding on to because he's got so much greater for you. He's got so much more for you if you'll let go of the bloody coat. Thank you. Come on, let's give him praise. Can you give me about five more minutes and I'll be done? Mark 10 and 46 says, and they came to Jericho and went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people and blind Bartimaeus sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard it was Jesus, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he would hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. Notice verse number 50. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. See, in biblical times, your coat was much more than just something to make you look nice or keep you warm. Your coat symbolized who you were. Your coat told your life story to everybody that saw you. When they saw you coming, they could look at your clothes and they knew if you were high class, middle class, or low class. They knew if you were male or female. They knew what occupation you had. So when Jesus calls this blind beggar, the first thing he does is takes off his coat that says he's a blind beggar. He takes off that bloody coat that said he's handicapped, that he's not loved, that he's an outcast in society, that he'll never make it, he'll never be anything. And he strips that off of him and he says, the master has called me. I don't need this coat anymore. I don't need this garment that says I'm a failure. I don't need this garment that says I'll never make it because he's called me and I'm getting ready to put on a new coat. 
See, some of you wore some coats in here tonight. Some of you got bloody coats on that said who you were and says the things that you were before you walked in that door. But God wants you to take that bloody coat off tonight. No wonder the Bible says those that are baptized into Christ. When you go down in that water, hey, I want somebody to hear me right now. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you you need to do it. You may have been baptized somewhere else in Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and I'm not throwing off on that, but the Bible never says that those that have been baptized in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost have put on Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But my Bible says those that have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. When you go down in that watery grave in the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. When you come out, that bloody coat is in the water and there's a change of garments. God puts a righteous robe on you. God puts a garment of salvation on you. God gives you a new coat that says you're not the sinner you once were. You're not the person you once were, but you're wearing me now. Oh, it's God's will for you to change clothes tonight. It's the will of God. Hey, the prophecy of the Christ in Isaiah 61 says, he came to appoint them that mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Everywhere I go, I got a spirit of heaviness, but not spiritually. I've seen it. Pastor McGee, I've seen those that come in. And they have this spirit of heaviness on them. And they come into the house of God. And they're so weighed down by the cares of life. They're so weighed down by what's going wrong in their life. I remember I was preaching at the inner city church of Brother Black in Memphis, Tennessee, in the downtown church. And and I was, I was preaching, I noticed a homeless man come wandering into the service. And I, w- I was watching him as I preached, and he began to cry. And the pastor and another minister saw this. They went back and they laid hands on him. He began speaking in tongues. If you can't get excited about that, I, I'm sorry. We might as well end revival. That's exciting. After service, we baptized him in a makeshift baptismal tank in the back in the lovely name of Jesus talking to him after service he said he had lost everything his wife his home his job his vehicles his children and he had spent the night on the park bench in front of the church the night before with not, he didn't even have a sleeping bag nothing but the clothes and the shoes that were on his body and i thought to myself this man came in with nothing but he left with everything See, some of you, you come in here with ashes of a burnt down life. God wants to give you beauty. You came in here with a spirit of heaviness. God wants to give you a garment of praise. You came in here with mourning, but God wants to give you the oil of joy. You may not feel like you have anything to give him but a bloody coat, and it's of no value. You can't get anything else for it in this world, but if you'll bring it to Jesus tonight, he'll take your bloody coat, and he'll give you a garment that is spotless he'll give you the best robe he'll give you a robe of righteousness tonight
as we stand in this house. I've got more notes, but I'm done. I believe God's wanting to do something great for somebody. Genesis 45, some time has went by. And Joseph's brothers have went down to Egypt and they discovered who Joseph really is. They come back and this sets the scene. They come back to get their father and take him down to Egypt during the famine. And Genesis 45, 25 says, And they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father. And they told him saying, Joseph is yet alive. And he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them. Isn't it amazing that when they brought the bloody coat to him, in his mind he said, Joseph's dead. But now they come with good news. And they come saying, Joseph's not dead, he's alive. And Jacob refused to believe them. I think it's time that we stop believing the negative report. We stop believing the lies of the enemy and we start believing what God says. What God says we, you, we can have. What God says you can do. What God says you are. Hey, I'm not listening to what the devil says I can't do, but I'm reading and believing what God says I can do tonight. And they told him all the words of Joseph which he had sent unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. He had a revival. For 22 long years, he had been mourning for Joseph. 20, and you don't even hear much about Jacob in, the, in the, the passages between these two stories. Not much at all. Because for 22 years, he had been mourning for his son. He had been believing a lie, a bloody coat. And notice what verse number 28 says. And Israel said. Up to this point, it was referred to as Jacob. But because he has a revival and he's getting rid of his bloody coat and he sees the truth of who God says he is, he's not Jacob anymore. But he remembers, I'm not that person that I used to be. I'm Israel. I don't have to go by what the bloody coat says I am anymore. I'll go by what God says I am. And it, the Bible doesn't say in Jacob anymore. It says, and Israel said, it is enough. Now, once again, your Bible don't say this, but I believe it with all that's in me, and I'm going to confirm it when I get to heaven. But I believe Jacob had that bloody coat in his hand. He said, it is enough. I'll go down to Egypt and see my boy again. You know what God wants some of you to do tonight? He wants you to bring your bloody coat and throw it at this altar and say, it is enough. I'm not carrying the weight any longer. I'm not being bound any longer. But from this night forward, I'm going to be loose. From this night forward, I'm going to walk in liberty and freedom. I'm not going to be bound by my bloody coat anymore. God wants to give you a garment of praise in place of your garment of pain. He wants to give you a garment of salvation in place of your garment of sin. God wants to give you a robe of righteousness in place of your robe of filthiness. Forget about your past. Forget about your mistakes and failures. And move past your past. And move into a future with God tonight. 
I press toward the mark. Forgetting those things which are behind. I press toward the mark of the high call. If I'm pressing and I'm reaching for the prize, I can't reach effectively if I'm being weighed down by a bloody code. I can't press effectively and reach effectively if I'm being bound by my past and my mistakes and my failures and what other people have done to me. I want somebody to understand those that have been uh, baptized into Christ have put on Christ and if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become. As we bow our heads and close our eyes all across this auditorium. God is here tonight. And God is wanting to do a great work. God is waiting for somebody to step out of their pew tonight and bring their bloody coat to an altar and leave it on this altar. Hey, the Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of, his peace, of our peace was upon him. With his stripes, uh, we are healed. You know why we don't have to live with the bloody coat any longer? He became our bloody coat. He became every sin that you ever committed. He became every mistake that you ever made. He became everything, every hurtful thing that someone did to you. And he became that and he crucified it on a cross. So that you don't have to bear that bloody coat anymore. So I open these altars right now to somebody. You want to bring your ashes, he'll give you beauty. You want to spring your spirit of heaviness. He'll give you a garment of praise. You want to bring your broken life. You want to bring your broken heart. You want to bring your broken home. Bring that bloody coat. Whatever your bloody coat is, bring it. Those past mistakes and failures, that thing that someone did to you, bring it and lay it down at the altar tonight and watch what God will do for you. Come on, these altars are open right now. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.